Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Absolute privilege and pleasure to be able to invite to our platform Pastor Nick Resky. Pastor Nick is part of our national leadership team here in um, Australia on Acts Global. He's a great friend. He's a great friend to this church. And I know you're going to be blessed by his words. And I know God's going to do something powerful through him. So why don't you come and share the word? Thanks, Nick. Good morning. How are you this morning? Are you doing well? It's great to see you. And I say that literally because we don't have to wear masks. Isn't that great? It's about time. We're getting there little by little. And uh, it's good to see what's happening. I, I come from, well, I am now in Adelaide. I lived in Melbourne for six years and now back in Adelaide where uh, my wife and I were born. And uh, we, we haven't experienced what you've experienced here in Victoria. We, we don't understand lockdown. Um, I think the, the longest lockdown we were, went through is about three weeks. And even that got cut short. I know some of you are going, please, please. <laughs> uh, mind you, I wanted to lock a few people up, I can tell you. <laughs> some of the behaviour that we saw was that's been absolutely shocking. But uh, yeah, and then uh, we went just recently, I think it was about um, oh, just at the end of last year, I think we did a six-day lockdown, and uh, it only lasted two days. <laughs> My wife was so disappointed. She's going, no, I want to stay in lockdown, <laughs> you know. Uh, so look, you, you've been amazing, um, just how you've had to persevere through this. But how many of you know God's got a purpose? And sometimes we don't understand these things. And, but, you know, through it, uh, we've been through some storms. I, I like the story about how in Mark 4.35, it says that Jesus, as they were going across, there was a storm, but they got to the other side. Yeah. And there's always a, a purpose. Sometimes we get caught in storms. As people, it's important not to get caught in the storm. Keep your eye on the purpose. And it's really important to do that. It's great today to have... Um, Gene and his wife Ashley with me. Gene drove me down here and uh, I met Gene in 2013 and just as we began to uh, grow the church and he was one of the sort of founding people that came and uh, he's like a son to me and it's so fantastic to have them with us here today. So give them a big hand, just give them a wave Gene, right at the front, great looking young man, fantastic. Hey this morning I just want to share, um, the, the title of my, of my message is Moving Forward. How many of you want to move forward? <laughs> Man, we've been stuck and we want to move forward. You know, uh, I, I don't like getting stuck in a rut. Um, I want to move forward. I, I think it's time we do move forward. But how do we move forward? And we're going to just look at some scriptures and some principles that I pray today will help us. Um, you know, a, as God's people, people of faith to move forward. And I'm going to look at the story of Joshua. I mean, we talk about a lockdown for two years. This guy was in a lockdown for 40 years, just going round and round and round. It wasn't a very long trail, you know, manna would fall out of heaven. 
everything was very mundane. Everything was in a sense locked down. And the incredible thing is the promises and the purposes of God weren't too far to reach. How many of you want to step into the purposes and promises of God? And so we're going to look at Joshua and some of the things that he had to do. There's three things that I want to look at today, three principles that helped him to move forward and help the children of Israel move forward. So let's get into it because we've got about 30 minutes. Let's see what God will do today. Father, bless your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Look, it's like a key. And I pray today that as your word is delivered, that it will be like keys unlocking our minds, our hearts, our spirit, to be able to take a hold of everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first principle. Uh, One of the things Joshua, God says, come on, Joshua, it's time now to move forward. Can I say this? It's time now to move forward. It's time now to take a hold of the things that God has for us. The first thing that he had to do is he had to get new eyes. He had to see the purpose and the promises of God with brand new eyes. This is what it says in Joshua 2 verse 1. It says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Sittim, said, go and look over the land. You know, when I read this passage, I, I thought to myself, wow, God, why didn't he said, sent Caleb? How many of you know the story that Joshua and Caleb were part of the 12 that actually went into the land to look at over, over their promise? Moses sent them, and out of the 12 spies, it was only Joshua and Caleb that came back with a great report. And you know what happened, that there was fear and all sorts of things that stopped them from moving forward. They made a decision not to move forward. But Caleb, if I was uh, Joshua, I would have definitely sent Caleb into the land. He'd seen the promise. He still had faith, but yet he made a decision not to send Caleb. And as I'm reading this passage, I'm, I'm sort of going to the Holy Spirit, hey, hey Lord, how come... It would have been a very simple decision because let me tell you, he would have gone in and come back with the same report. He was full of faith. But what did Joshua do? He sent two new spies. And as I'm sort of trying to work out why this is, it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, it's because our promises and the purpose of God has to be seen with two brand new eyes. Do you know, um, when I was 45, I started to realized that as I wasn't wearing glasses, but uh, I started to really struggle with reading my Bible, particularly on a Sunday, and I was starting to realize that my eyes were losing the impact of, you know, seeing clearly. So I went to an optometrist, and the first question he asked me, without even checking on me, he said, how old are you? I said, 45. He goes, yeah, you'll need glasses. I said, what are you, prophetic? What is it? You haven't even looked at my eyes? Are you some sort of specialist? And he said, that's about the time that your eyes start to degenerate. And um, he he said that's what sort of starts to happen. And it's true. Do you know over time, as you get older, you know, there's all sorts of conditions that can affect your eyes. There's cataracts, colour blind, you can get a detached retina, you can get eye occlusion, blind spots, um, all sorts of things. Ruth's going, yeah, I know all of that sort of stuff. (laughs) But, you know, here's the thing. It happens to us spiritually. 
Do you know that a lot of times what happens when we look at the promises and purposes of God, when we go through pain, when we go through things, when we go through disappointments, all sorts of things start happening to our spiritual eyes. And I really sense that what God's saying to us, if you're going to take a hold and move forward, you've got to see the purposes and the promises of God with brand new eyes. You've got to see it with brand new eyes because, let me tell you, when you go through pain, when you go through disappointments, just like in the natural Your spiritual eyes can be affected and they begin to blur the vision. They can begin to bring doubt and fear about what God has promised on your life and the purpose of your life. You know, over the years, I've been so blessed to have great staff and have particularly great PAs. I try to get my wife to be my PA and it was the worst decision I ever made. Uh, She just wasn't called to be a PA. She says, I'm your wife. But I've had incredible PAs, male and female PAs. And um, in my early years of ministry, I had a young lady called Rebecca, and she was my PA, and her husband was my assistant pastor. They were such a beautiful couple. Um, Rebecca was an outstanding PA. She was the sort of girl that on a Monday morning when we'd go to work, usually on a Sunday night, she would bake something for the staff. Scones cakes, and she'd come early on a, on a Monday morning, I'm just trying to give you guys ideas here about how to do <laughs> church stuff, and it's like, yep, and you know, she would come and she'd put the coffee on, and you know, she would just, the whole place, you would walk into our office and you wanted to be there on a Monday morning to see what she had cooked, she's just absolutely fantastic, her and her husband were beautiful people, they ran the young adults in our church, And every time we had a baby dedication, like you had this morning, uh, they would get asked to do the baby dedication because it was their age group that was having babies. Now, it was their joyful times to see this beautiful baby. This one, wasn't she cute? And I I, I think of her middle name, Grace. I think the parents are going to need a little bit of grace with her. I think she's going to be a little tiger. Did you see her? She's got something on her, that girl already. Who knows what she's going to do. So where are the parents? You're going to need a bit of grace on your life. But here's the thing. You know, with the great gifts they had, they couldn't have children. And you know what it's like when you're dedicating your friends' children and babies? You're holding somebody else's promise. You're holding their treasure, and you deep down know you can't have children. You know what that's like? And, and we knew that every time we had a baby dedication, we knew that that next Monday, even though she'd still bake, even though she'd still do the same things and be diligent with the love she had for our staff, we knew it was going to be a little bit of a hard day for her, for her and Tim. And so we used to gather around, and we all were, were very, very sensitive, and you know, as a pastor, my heart, there's, there's nothing like, let me tell you this, there is nothing like seeing the pain of someone who carries the spirit of a mother and the spirit of a father, and yet they can't have the dream and that promise that they, they so want. And so, you know, we, we started praying for them, and I said, look, why don't, you, why don't you go to a doctor and really get checked out properly? And one of the doctors, we actually had a doctor in our church, and we sent them to the doctor and we said, hey, can I 
you know, can, we, can I talk to him after? So we just know how to pray. And so they said, yeah, of course, Pastor Nick. Anyway, they came back and the news was not great. The doctor said, look, they need a miracle. They need a miracle. So we just, you know, continue to pray, continue to pray. You know, about six months later, they came into my office and, you know, they, they were like nervously excited. And they sat down on the couch and, and I'm like, you know, what's up? Because they wanted to see me and said, Pastor Nick, can we see you? And I thought, gee, is, is everything okay? And, you know, we're still going to get the cakes and the scones on the Monday. <laughs> you know, I hope that doesn't stop. Is, are you, you're not leaving? Well, what, what is going on? Because it was this like urgent, we need to see you. Anyway, they're, as they're sitting on the coach, they're, they're, they're sort of smiling but crying. And all of a sudden, you know, they say, hey, you're not going to believe this, Pastor Nick. We are pregnant. And I tell you, we were laughing, crying, hugging. It was absolutely incredible. And then it hit me. I was going to lose her as my PA. I thought, oh, God, we get one promise and I need to lose something else. <clears throat> Do you know, we were so excited. We told our staff, but we, we held it just in our staff. And then one, one Sunday, I got them to do communion together. And I said, I want you to tell the church about your miracle, that Jesus is the miracle worker. You know, as they began to tell the story, they didn't even get to the part that we are pregnant because the church just knew something was, they could feel it in the spirit. The place just erupted with incredible excitement and their baby was born. Now they have three children. Then they had to pray, Lord, that's enough now. We've had the miracle. (laughs) Three's, you know, it's incredible. But here's the thing, you know, I got Rebecca to share and said to Rebecca, what happened? What changed? What was the thing? What was the connection point? She said, you know, when we came back from the doctor, the doctor said, I hate to tell you this, but it's not going to happen. You might have to look at adoption. And I know some people, that's the... The place they go, it's a very, very sensitive subject. But she remembered the prophecies she'd had over her life. She had them written down. And she'd started to see them with brand new eyes. She refused to look at them with the eyes of doubt, with the eyes of fear, with the eyes of this is impossible. But she began to look at them with the eyes of the miracles She began to look at them with the purpose of God. She began to look at them with the prophecies that were made because people would prophesy and say over her, you're going to be a great mother. You're carrying a mothering spirit. And not only did she do that, but she started a faith draw. Now, I've never heard of a faith draw. But she began to buy clothes for this little baby and created a draw. And every week that they'd go somewhere, she'd buy something, believing and knowing that God was going to give her a miracle. Hey, friends, can I say this to you? Moving forward, all of us need to get brand new eyes. All of us need to see, hey, you know, we know what we've been through. I don't have to tell you what we've been through. And some of you, it's not just the pandemic. Some of you have been walking through other storms. Some of you have been walking through things that have seemed so, so incredible that blur the promises of God, blur the character of God. But I want to say that Joshua, before he went into that land, before he could move forward, he had to see the promises of God again with brand new eyes. Can you give God a hand of praise for that and say, God, we thank you.
for your promises. Here's the second thing. He had to come in with a brand new heart. He had to move in with a brand new heart. Joshua 3.15 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. How many of you want to see God do amazing things amongst you? I want to see God move in great ways. That story that I told about Rebecca and Tim, I want to see that happen again and again and again. He is the God of again and again and again. He's the God of again. But Joshua knew the people had been in a state where their heart had lost some hope. And, you know, and I've, you know, worked with pastors and, and you know, you, you hear just some of the stories and, and not just in church life, but in business life, in family life. You know, since 2015, uh, you know, different uh, futurists are now saying that we've entered into the age the, the anger age. Everybody's angry. You just have to rattle off some of the, the, the issues. Since 2015, there have been issues that have been very combative and argumentative that have brought great division and great pain to our communities. I'll rattle some off. Climate change. Don't, don't shoot me down. Same-sex marriage. Black Lives Matters. Cancel culture. Don't shoot me. Vax or no vax, don't shoot me. They're combative, argumentative, extremism, going everywhere. People have got argumentative and stuff sticks to your heart. And you can imagine for 40 years the children of Israel walking around that desert. Who knows what the heck got stuck to their heart? What the heck of doubt and fear and stuff... And you know, God says, hey, if you're going to go into your new promise, you can't go in that land. You can't go in that land with stuff that's stuck to your heart. And he says this, he says, consecrate. You know, consecration is about examination. It's about preparation. It's about separation. And God says, hey, listen, if you're going to go into the season that I have for you, this next season, and let me tell you, there is a new season ahead. There is a new season ahead. Don't get caught up in all the stuff that's happening and all the political stuff and all that stuff and get caught in the storm. Don't get caught in the storms. Let me tell you, our God is a God of promise. He's a God of purpose and he'll get us to the other side. And let me tell you, you know, while the disciples got caught in the storm and stuff started sticking to their heart and they're blaming, who knows? Peter was most probably blaming John and saying to John, John, you're closest to him. You should have told him to stay on the other side. You should have told him it's too late. It's evening. We should just stay here. Who knows what was going on in that boat? Stuff gets stuck to you. Fear can get stuck to you. Anxiety, anger, disappointment. Storms are funny, aren't they? Because you, have you ever been through a storm? We've been through a few storms. Some of them physical. Some of them emotional. Some of them relational. One of the things that happens when you go through a storm, it exposes the condition of your heart. It's terrible how that happens. And I hate things getting exposed in my heart. All sorts of things get exposed. Things like your attitudes, what you really believe, your weaknesses, your strength, your character. Here's a doozy, your insecurities, your brokenness, they all come to the forefront. You know, in 2005, 
this was just one of our storms. Um, I had long service leave. Now, you've got to understand something. Australia is an incredible nation because other nations don't get long service leave. I love long service leave. I got 12 weeks off and it was paid for. And I decided to take my family on an overseas trip to uh, England because I was doing a lot of work there and also to Italy because I'm Italian, married an Australian girl who's a, who comes from a little place called Melrose. And that's another story. That's where she is today, visiting her parents. And um, so she'd never met my side of the family. We needed a lot of prayer before we went because... Uh, my mother uh, was from a family of 12, my father from a family of 10. So she was going to absolutely be, meet this family uh, that was, yeah, it was a baptism of fire, all right. And, um, and so we went on this trip and as we went there in 2005, I went through this city called Bristol uh, we just stopped there for about half an hour for a cup of coffee. God spoke to me. I just had this incredible encounter with God about this city called Bristol, not knowing that three to four years later we're going to end up going there and planting a church. God spoke to me so deeply. Now, here's the thing. you know, God should not speak to you while you're on long service leave. I'm on holidays going, hey, listen, excuse me. But he spoke so profoundly that we found ourselves. But you know what happened? As I'm there, I kept losing my voice, not knowing what was going on. Um, And anyway, we end up coming back. And in this particular six-week period, we went through this violent storm. And the first thing that happened is I got diagnosed with nodules uh, on my vocal cords. Um, Usually singers get that. Now, I do have a singing background. I was in a band called Nicky and the Boys, and I thought maybe that was just the aftermath of this. And um, so it was a very, very delicate operation. So I'd just come out of happening this this operation, and um, I'm trying to recover. And the thing is, it was a one-month recovery. Now, in that one month, you weren't allowed to speak. I've never seen my wife so happy in my life. She was just, you know, it's just... Mind you, I did... (laughs) I did play with it because I'm going to sign language and all sorts of stuff. And, but during my recovery time, my son, who my, my second boy, he was going through the music conservatory. He's a professional musician. And uh, he was trying to get himself through university. So he was with some of the, the students in his, in his class. Um, he was doing, you know, gigs and uh, trying to get some money. And he was coming home one night and, and uh, had an incredible accident. And they, he wrote the car off and, you know, hurt some of his ribs. It wasn't too bad. You know, thank God it was just the car and it was just wasn't too bad after the, the accident he had. And so we were thinking, you know, okay, so, you know, they've got me on the prayer list. They're praying, praying the church is praying for my I'm the senior pastor. I'm the pastor and praying for my vocal cords. Now they're praying for my, my son. And, and then um, my, um, my mum was going to have back surgery. And so she was, she was about to go into surgery. But before she went into surgery, um, it was my daughter's 21st birthday. And so what you do as an Italian family is you, uh, to put on this 21st, everybody's going to contribute something. My mother's role was to cook seven trays of lasagna. <laughs> Who, who's ever eaten 
real lasagna. I'm not talking about stuff that you buy and, you know, faster pasta stuff, you know. That, that, do you have faster pasta here? Not anymore? Yeah, no, thank God they've got rid of it because it didn't really, you know, what, what, it, was, it wasn't authentic. And um, so she was cooking these seven trays of lasagna with this back pain and um, she'd finished in the evening. It was about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. It was quite cold. And um, someone, and she went to the lounge room, and someone had told her that if you rub methylated spirits into your legs, it will help the circulation for your back. Now, the thing is, see, Italians use methylated spirits, the Greeks use Windex, but, you know, (laughs) so, so it's okay to use methylated spirits, but not when there's an electric bar heater in front of you. And so all of a sudden, I really like that. Oh, could you do that? It's like, like in unison. That was incredible. Um, she picks up this bottle of methylated spirit, but as she, it was a brand new bottle. And she picks it up, you know, because she squeezed it and it fell and splashed onto the bar heater. Whew, up went the room. Now, my father's name is Romeo. And she starts calling out, Romeo, Romeo. Could you imagine the scene? <laughs> Wherefore art thou? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't funny on the night, believe me, she's crying. Anyway, off she goes and uh, house goes up. We get this phone call and, and it's cold. And I remember watching footy. I couldn't talk. My wife took the call and she's there, what, what? And then what's the matter? She goes, your parents' house is on fire. We quickly got in the car, rushed there. And there were some significant things I noticed. One was, you know, that... I went to see my mother. She was at the next door neighbours. Now, my mother's got white hair. She's got this long white hair and she had it in a bun, pure white. And one of the things that shocked me when I saw her, I I looked at her and she wasn't stressed. Actually, she looked younger than I'd ever seen her because the soot had all got into her hair (laughs) and she actually looked real. I thought, wow, she looks really good. (laughs) She looks good through a storm. Then I went back in and I was... Walking with the chief fire person, walking with and he's telling me, and because my dad, my poor daddy was just like, man, what the heck's happened? And the seven trays of lasagna had not been touched. <laughs> now, there's a miracle even in the fire. And I said to the chief, I said, can we still use these? And he looked at me like, are you an idiot? <laughs> Do you understand toxic fumes? <laughs> You know, I, I saw something in my dad I hadn't seen. I, I didn't know the depth of his character. I said to him, Dad, shall we cancel Lisa's birthday tomorrow? He said, no way. She's my granddaughter. You come here tomorrow. We're going to pull money out of the ATM. We're going to buy whatever we need. It, that hit me like a ton of bricks. So every week we're on the prayer list. We're going through the storm. It was just like, are you kidding me? About two days later, after my daughter's 21st, I'm trying to rest in bed and and I'm really tired and I get a phone call. It was nine o'clock. I get a phone call and saying, hey, Mr. Rescue, your son, Michael, my youngest, he said um, he's he's just had a bit of an accident and uh, he's, he's got a bit of concussion. Now, we were used to that. Because this was like the tenth time something like this had happened. He'd been, he's been hit with baseball bats. I don't know where the heck this kid was putting his head, but every time, you know, oh, here we go again. 
And I said, oh, right. So I thought, oh, here we go. And, she, you know, the, the procedure is you pick him up and you take him to get checked out for concussion. And so I got up, got dressed, was going. And my wife's coming back from my other son's appointment at the doctor's. And I said, you better get in the car. We're going to go pick up Michael. As we're driving there, they said, oh, Mr. Resky, we've had to call the ambulance because... Um, He's been bleeding from the nose and vomiting blood from the mouth. So we've had to take him to the hospital. Now, how many of you know when you hear that, that's not great news? Cut a long story short, I dropped my wife off at the emergency ward. I was trying to park the car. I was in a real frazzle. I got into the ward and there is absolute commotion. People are running around. They said, look, he's torn a vein in his brain. And he's going to have to have brain surgery. Now, you can touch the cars, burn the houses, don't touch the kids. There's an incredible storm. And I learnt a lot from this 15-year-old boy who went through a three-hour operation. And as parents, we were... You know, we had all our staff praying. It was one of those moments, and I pray that you never have to go through anything like this, where you just, you know, have to sign papers. And, you know, they tell you what the conditions are because they don't know until they get in what the damage is. And, um, you know, my wife talked a lot during this time. I cried a lot. The Italian men just came out. But after three hours, I said, would you like to go and see him? He's coming out. He's just starting to wake up. Would you like to see him? I said, of course we'd like to see him. So we go in, and we expected to see this kid that was right out of it. But he was like, you know, he was still a bit groggy. And he says this, he goes, hi, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, how am I doing? (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're the one that's had brain surgery. I said, you doing all right? I said, yeah, yeah, you okay? And then the nurse is doing all the vitals, you know, move your toes, move your hands. She says, can I get you anything? And he says, yeah, have you got something to eat? He goes, I'm starving. And I think this kid's an Italian, he's a pure Italian. Even through brain surgery, he wants food. You know, he was out for, after seven days. He was out after seven days and he had this massive scar. They'd shaven his head. Had this massive scar. He's still got it today. If he shaves his head, he's still got this scar. They put three plates in his head. And um, <clears throat> I said to my wife, look, let's bring him some caps, you know, because he looks, he, he looked like, you know, I mean, is it fashionable these days? Well, I, I think it's fashionable having no hair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And uh, he just looked like one of these skinhead tough kids, you know, and, and I just felt for him because, you know, he had a girlfriend and I was trying to be sensitive as a father and you know, and stuff like that, and, and um, you know, so I bought him caps, but he came out not wearing them and said, why aren't you wearing your cap? You know? He goes, are you kidding, Dad? This is a chick magnet, you know, <laughs> I think he's, he's had brain surgery, obviously, you know, but, but here's the thing, did you know that it was a 12-month recovery, and by the way, he's fine, it's amazing, do you know, he, he never milked it, didn't stick to him at all. He was, he was the school captain and he wanted to just get back to the school and he wanted, he was actually, would, he would worship lead and he wanted to get back and say, look at the miracle God's done. 
He didn't let anything stick. Can I say this to you? If we're going to go into new territory, it doesn't matter what's happened. Let's make sure that nothing has stuck to our hearts. Now, he did just once slip up when he brought his report card home. He said, now, Dad, Mum, when you look at this, I want you to realise I've had brain surgery. And, you know, you've got to just... Here's the last point, very quickly. Is not only do we have to have new eyes, have to have a new heart, we have to take a new step. You know, we're going into uncharted territory. Did you know that we've had... This pandemic has changed so many things. I want to commend the pastors, the leaders of our communities that have had to try and lead our communities during this pandemic. Man, how do you plan? How do you organise? Every time you try to plan something, the rules change. This changes. And so I want to commend, please do not attack your leaders. Please do not attack your, your you know, community leaders because I want to tell you something, it has been a nightmare. Just how do we lead? But we are in uncharted waters. We are in uncharted waters even as churches. What is God saying? And, and can I say this? If there's anything we have to do, we really need to hear what God is saying to us. If we're going to move forward, we really need to hear what God is saying to us. And here we see that now Joshua is going into new territory. He's never been into this territory. He's, he's seen it once, but he's never been there to really live in it. And we're about to step into something that is very unfamiliar to us as leaders and as communities like never before. In Joshua 3.3 it says this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Guess what? We've never been this way before. We don't know what it looks like. But we have to have, take a step of faith. And I believe there's so much transition going on and there is a reset. The biggest reset is the reset of our hearts, by the way. It's not just the reset of programs. It's not just the reset of vision. It's a reset of our heart. And before he could go in, he had to take a brand new step. They all had to step into the new. Are you ready to step into something new? Only me? Are you all ready to step into something new? Do you know when I was um, 45 years old, actually I was a bit younger than that, sorry, about 40, I was being mentored by a prophetic ministry and uh, every time he came to our church, he, he kept, you know, just, you know, uh, prophesying over me about, you know, the gift of prophecy and everything like that. And uh, cut a long story short, I went to one of his training camps and, you know, God did some phenomenal things. When I, when I came back from this camp, there was an incredible grace on my life. It lasted for about six months. And it was just like, it was just like I could just see clearly. It was like whenever, you know, I was preaching and, and what happened is that for a period of time there was this season where I'd be asked to go and do leadership training, but they'd sort of say, look, you know, do about 20 minutes and then could you prophesy over people? And there was this incredible grace upon me because what happened is that I would just look at a person, it was like God would just give me words really clearly. How many of you'd like to have that grace on your life continuously? And it was just there for six months. It was just was flowing and I thought, this is incredible. And... Um, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, how would you like to go to another level? 
I'm, I'm thinking, this level's great. I wonder what that next level's like. The next level's going to be incredible. The thing is that the next level, well, I had to step into unfamiliar territory. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, now I'm just going to make you sense my presence on a person and I won't speak to you until you stand them up. Well, I'm thinking that's all right. I can step in that. It's unfamiliar, but I'll go there. I'm a man of faith. This is what happened. First meeting. I'm at a leadership meeting. I'm full of faith and confidence. God is with me. I've seen, you know, just the grace of God. I'm ready to step into this next level. I finished the leadership training. This, this person is highlighted to me, and I'm looking at this person. He's just really just, it's like, you know, God's on him. And so I, I get him to stand up, waiting for God to speak. And God did speak. The man had a beard, and these are the words I got. Tell him to shave his beard off. I'm, there. I'm trying to look. I'm going, what? And all I could hear, this thought kept coming in. Tell him to shave. That's all I was getting. Tell him. I've got nothing else. I'm now in a panic. I'm thinking, I want to go back to the grace that I had before. And I'm, that's all I kept giving. Tell him to shave his beard off. How many of you know you, you'd question who that was? I'm, I'm going up there. Is there anybody else up there that we can talk to me? So you know what I did? I stalled for time. I got him up. I said, could you come out the front? Got everybody clapping for him. I'm going, come on, God, give me something. Tell him to shave his beard off. I'm like, there, you tell him to shave his beard off. We're going to be in a lot of trouble here. So, you know, he's coming out the front. I'm stalling and I'm sweating because I'm thinking to myself, this is not a word from God. God does not speak like this. I'm confused, I'm in doubt, I'm in uncharted territory. I have not been here. So I'm stalling. So it's, are you married? Yep. I thought maybe God will speak. <laughs> Why? Just maybe he needs more time to reveal something different. Get his wife out, get clapping. How long have you been married? Then I start telling stories like, you know, Jesus did some weird things in the Bible. You know, he spat on the ground. I'm trying to build a safety. I got nothing. All I've got is tell him to shave his beard off. You know, when you're stuck there, you go, oh, Lord, what the heck do I do? I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to go. That's all I kept getting. I had nothing. I couldn't even make it up. I was in just, what do I do? And I just gave in. I said, look, uh, sir, I know this sounds really crazy. I said, I know this sounds really crazy. But like I said, God does, you know, moves in unusual, not our ways, his way. His way is much higher than our ways. I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you to shave your beard off. Well, he gave me this look of thunder, but the wife started laughing her head off. I'm going, what the heck is happening here? And you know what happened? She goes, I said, why are you laughing? She goes, well, we've, we've never, I've never seen him since I met him without a beard. And, I, I, and, and the moment that she said that to me, it was like the light went on. It was like just revelation came. He was stuck in his, he had a mindset. And he was the senior pastor of a church and the church was stuck and it couldn't go forward because he was stuck in his mind. 
And, you know, I, I just began to prophesy and said, you know, I just see God unlocking doors and locking things and, you know, like, and just changing your mindset and everything like that. Anyway, the meeting went on and God was very, very gracious. About a year later, I saw this man and he came up to me and he goes, Pastor Nick, do you remember me? And I said, oh, look, I'm sorry, I don't. He goes, beard, beard. And as soon as he said beard, fear came all over me. I thought, oh, no, what the heck is this? He said, you know, I, I went home and I, I, I was so angry at you. And he said, and my wife for a week kept waking up and laughing her head off and said, when are you going to shave your beard off and do what God's told you to do? Do you know, he really battled with it, but he got up when he began, he said, as I began to shave this thing, it was like something unlocked in my head. I had been so stuck in the past that it affected my church. He said, I want to tell you, this year we've had the most incredible year. And I've been pastoring for 10 years and it's like we've had breakthrough because something happened up here, something happened in my spirit. Aren't you glad when you hear the voice of God and we need to act on it? But you know what? We're, we're in uncharted territories and I believe that God is saying to us, hey, it's time to step into something new. Even though we haven't been there, even though you don't know what it's going to look like, even though you are not certain of what the outcomes are going to be, God is wanting to build a new trust in us, a new level of faith to take a hold of His promises. Come on, would you give God praise this morning? Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to get you to do three things very quickly. Hey, guys, have we got a song we can sing? Gee, you were singing. You sounded fantastic this morning. And I loved, I haven't heard those two new songs. I'd like to, maybe you can tell me what, where you got them from, where they are. I'm still living in the past a little bit. I'm still stuck on Amazing Grace, actually. So if you can help me, that would be really good. Um, but could you sing... Uh, one of those songs for me in a minute? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do three things. I wonder if you could put your hands on your eyes just for a moment. Would you do that? Just as a sign today that God would give us new eyes. Look, I don't know what's been blurred. I, I, I don't know what has happened <clears throat> in your life. And I'm not saying it's just the pandemic, but you know, I, I just really sense that God wants to give us and make us see his promises and his purposes. He wants us to see them again. He wants us to have our spiritual eyes cleared and open so we can take a hold of what he has for us. Father, I pray right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take away the cataracts. You would take away the doubt, the fear. Father, you would take away those things, the disappointments that sometimes cloud our eyes and seeing the purpose of God. Father, I believe there's people in this place that are holding promises and purposes, and yet they haven't entered into those places. I pray today for brand new spiritual eyes. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Now, I wonder if you could put your hand on your heart. Would you do that? Just put your hand on your heart just for a moment. Father, I pray that whatever disappointment, whatever pain, whatever storm, Father, whatever situation has happened, particularly over the last two years, that has caused that has caused things to stick to our heart. Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would come and bring healing, 
bring wholeness. Father, bring us to a new place where our hearts, Father, can be consecrated to you, consecrated afresh. Father, those things that have tried to hold us back, those things that have tried to stick to us, Father, today I pray for a clear heart, not a hard heart, but a strong heart, a a heart that would bring us into the new purpose, into the new seasons that you have for us. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Now I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. And this is something, this is what I call prophetic activation. I'm going to ask you to take a step forward. Is that all right? Symbolically, that we're about to enter. How many of you want to enter into the new that God has for you? Not just for you, not just for your family, for this church, for this community. Let me tell you, like never before, the church needs to really take a hold of its purposes in God. So I'm going to ask you to step back a little bit. Go as far back as you can on your chair. Um, There's a couple... Uh, you're, you're sitting in the last row. Um, you're, you're quite tall. Did, give me a wave. Give me a wave. Now, which, which one's your wife? Okay, great. Could you step into the aisle for me? Because I just sense uh, God wants you to step into something new. Is that all right? I, I, I just say, and I, I, I don't want you to take a little step. I want you to take a big step. I don't know what is happening. Uh, But I just sense a drawing of the Holy Spirit saying, come on, come, come deeper. For you, it's not just about taking a step forward. It's about taking a step deeper. Does that mean something to you today? Would you do that? Because I just sense the Spirit of God. Not yet, not yet. Hang on, just wait. I like that though. Well, look, just walk towards me. Yeah, walk towards me. Give them a big hand as they do that. It's awesome. It's awesome. Just stop right there. Stop there, and then when I, on the count of three, we're all going to take a step. I want you to take a real big step forward. All right. Actually, can I just ask, how old are you? Sorry, thirty-one. I, I thank you for telling me. I would never ask a woman her age, but thank you. That's absolutely awesome. So, thirty-one, thirty-two, great age, fantastic. Now, if you're around that age and you're a young adult. I'd like you to step into the aisles too. Could you do that for me, please? All young adults, and just step out in the aisles. Could you do that? You're already at the front. I'm doing this for a reason, but I don't want to use you guys as a catalyst. Uh, give yourself some... Don't, don't get in their way. They've got to take a big step here. Just get, get your own... Is that all right? Great. And the reason I say that is... You know, I just believe even on your generation, there is something fresh that God wants to put on you. I really do. And it's not that I don't want the rest. I don't, it's not that I don't believe God's going to do that for us, but I just really sense there's an urgency on this age group to really grab a hold of what God is saying. So can we all do that? On the, on the count of three, we're all going to take a step forward. And then what I want us to do, I want us to give God a huge hand of praise. I really do. I want us then to lift our hands up and I want us to worship. Is that all right? As we enter into what I believe God wants us to enter. Are you ready? On the count of three, I'm going to take a big step too. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, take that step. Come on now, give God a big hand of praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Just begin to praise Him. Come on, begin to praise Him. Come on now. Come on now, lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, lift your hands towards heaven. Thanks.
Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.